Good morning, dear friends. Uh, thank you for being such a consistent blessing in my life. Uh, in, all, in the midst of all the chaos, all the things, the holidays, uh, I know when I come here, I'm going to be around folks that I really love and I can't wait to see. And so thank you for uh, being part of my life and thank you for letting me be a part of your life as well. So stoked about that. So uh, let's declare together the unity of our church's purpose. So we do these shout outs each week. Let's go ahead and do that. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. So many of you know that uh, I was a teacher for many years. Started teaching in 1998 in the public school and then uh, switched to private school. And uh, back when I started, kids didn't even have phones. You know, there was, cell phones weren't at school, so it wasn't a problem. But about halfway through my teaching tenure, uh, our school switched to required iPads in class. And so this was the first uh, sort of wave of technology coming into the school in the, in the early 2000s. And, and our school was on the cutting edge, this private school, because they had a little bit of money. So they required everyone to have an iPad. And if they didn't, they would provide one for them. But as you know, uh, when the iPads first came out, when uh, you know, the OS gets a new update, uh, there's always all sorts of problems with it. And so the moment these iPads came in class, probably three or four times every single day, I'd have, in each period, teach six periods, I'd have a kid raise their hand and say, my iPad isn't doing X, Y, or Z. My iPad's broke, my iPad won't work, I can't pull up the program, I can't take notes over and over and over and over. And at first, like, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm not, I'm not a tech person. You know, I'm, I'm slightly older than you kids should be able to figure this out. And, and uh, but they couldn't. And so uh, we'd call tech support and they would do something. And eventually, it turns out that the solution to almost every single one of their problems was just reset the iPad. So you learn to hard reset the iPad, hold your button, wait six seconds, it disappears, it comes back. And then somehow it's magically fixed. I don't know how. I don't know anything about how computers works or why that works, but if you reset your iPad, same as even nowadays, I called the uh, Apple store, my, my new phone wasn't quite working, and they said, you know what you need to do? You need to reset your phone. I was like, dude, I know that one. I, I use that trick on the kids all the time. And sometimes that's all it takes, is just a reset, and then our iPad's working again, or our iPhone's working again. It reminds me of like this movie Skyscraper that I'm sure you all saw with The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. You saw that one? No? Well, don't. Don't go see it if you didn't. <laughs> I'm not recommending it. You shouldn't see it. Uh, basically, the movie is about there's this like incredibly high-tech skyscraper, like state-of-the-art skyscraper, and it, it protects itself like in case terrorism or bad guys and this kind of stuff, right? And so what happens is the bad guys end up getting in and taking over the tech, and then the tech is now keeping the cops and the good guys out, and the bad guys are winning. Sort of like Die Hard. Well, exactly like Die Hard, but with the rock instead. And uh, so this is the whole premise of this movie is this high-tech building, you know, has, has uh, been taken over by these terrorists and that kind of stuff. And uh, of course, the rock goes in and kills a bunch of people and that kind of stuff. But the, the solution, the, the, the conclusion, the, the way that the heroes solved the problem of this high-tech building is they went outside to this uh, outside cir circuit breaker and they reset the building. And once they reset it, the terrorist like, programs were all gone and it was back to normal again. And I was like, that is like the worst conclusion of a movie ever. Like, you went and you just hit reset and that solved all the problems? And it did for this movie. Sometimes a reset is what's needed. Uh, many of you guys know I started at UCI my college career. And after about four quarters, I dropped out of UCI for my college career. 
Uh, I had become a Christian in that time, and I got overwhelmed, and life was crazy, and, and all sorts of stuff was going on, and I didn't know what to do, and so I, I dropped out. I wasn't getting good grades anyway, and I, I dropped out, and I took a year off. But during that year, God called me. And then when I went back to school, I had a complete reset in my life so that I, I went, and then I succeeded. I got good grades and only went to grad school and got my master's degree and that kind of stuff because I went back after this like sort of horrific experience got a reset, and then I went on to be successful. Sometimes we need a scholastic reset. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse, or maybe with just your friends, but I think spouses uh, do it best, uh, where you can't agree on the details of the argument that you're having even? So you're having this argument, she says, well, you said this, this, and you said it with this tone. You said, I didn't say that, that, and I didn't use that tone. And then you start arguing about like what you said and it didn't say. And then it starts to get really confused. And so then, then you're starting to get mad about her saying something that you didn't think that you said. And then now you're starting to fight over this other thing. And then as you fight more and more, you're sort of stomping around and yeah, but you, and then yeah, and then it gets muddier and muddier. And now you're defending after a little bit a position that you don't even hold. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but like then I'm arguing with her about this. No, I always said this. But I would never say that. That isn't how I feel. That's not what I want to defend. But somehow my argument got all confused and, the, and it got all crazy. And, and that's happened to my wife and I a couple of times. And so sometimes I have to say, like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's just, that is not how I feel. I don't, I don't know. Neither of us remember it correctly, especially as we get older. So we don't rely on the facts anymore. We just rely on, on how we feel. I said, that's not how I feel now. That isn't what's going on in me. That's not what I certainly would meant if that, if, if that was the reality. So let's get a reset in this argument. Let me, let me step back. Let's reset and say, hey, okay, what is the real problem? How can we move forward? And sometimes in life, we need a relationship reset so that we can move forward rather than getting caught up in all the muddiness. And a reset helps us to start clean, just like our iPad. Sometimes getting a reset just kind of solves the problems. Today we're going to talk about a spiritual reset so that we can step into the new year, which is coming tomorrow, and we can step into it fresh. So the title of today's message is A New Day, like that song was. Not honey, in case you thought it was honey, because that was in all of our songs today, but it's not honey. But, but <laughs> thank you. So we got a new year starting tomorrow, and so this is a perfect time to, to consider what God has to say about a reset or a new day. Uh, there's this fantastic passage that we're going to start in the Old Testament in uh, Lamentations of all books. And you're like, whoa, Lamentations, there's a hot one. Believe it or not, you're going to like it, I think. So in Lamentations chapter 3, this is what God says. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. So I say to myself, the Lord's my portion, therefore I'll wait for him. Look at that first part of the verse. I love it. It says we are not consumed. Because of God's love, we are not consumed. What a great phrase for how life feels sometimes. Do you ever feel like your life is getting consumed, like it's overwhelmed, like it's, it's burdened, there's all sorts of stuff going on, and, and almost too much stuff for you to even handle, like you're juggling stuff, and you're pretty good at juggling, and then there's another thing, and another thing, and, and now it's getting all squiggly. Life is getting burdensome. My family has been in, in one of those times for the last couple of months here. You know, for years and years, my wife were like, we, we would pray at night when we're praying, probably 
two or three times a month, and we say, God, thank you so much that everything is so calm and nice and going so great. And then for the last couple of months, our prayer has not been that one. There's been sickness in the family. There's been death. There's been cars breaking down. There's been uh, relationship problems in, in media and then in our extended family and all sorts of stuff going on. And it's just like uh, that, that idiom goes, you know, when it rains, it pours. And that's been us for the last couple of minutes, like last couple of months even. And so we really feel like all this stuff has been going on and going, coming down on us. But, but I'm reminded of this verse that says, like, because of God's great love, we're not consumed. We're not overwhelmed. God's love keeps us from getting swamped. If we can just return back to that place and say, God, I want to get your love, and, and I need it. How's this passage say? They're, they're new every morning. i got to wake up tomorrow and say, God, yesterday was a mess. This last month was a mess. But God, I need your love and your compassion new this morning. And God offers it. His compassion and care are available, not only just to us, but to anyone who asks. And that's why we can say, great is your faithfulness, God, because every morning you will return us to this new place of your goodness if we're willing. His love and compassion are new every morning. Every day is a new start. Every day is a new day. God always allows every one of us to come to him. His love invites us to come to him. His compassion embraces us as we do come to him. No matter how far you feel from God, no, no matter how thick the, the burdens are or how, how much weight is on you, God says, just come to me. No matter the mistakes of all this last year or maybe even just last night, no matter all of those mistakes, God says, if you'll come to me this morning, I will give you a new portion of my love and compassion so that you might declare, great is your faithfulness, God. And that's the thing I'm going to wait for. So the morning I'm going to wake up and I say, God, I need a reset in you. I need a fresh day and I'm going to wait for your love and compassion. I'm not going to move till I get it because otherwise I get overwhelmed in life. God allows resets. Now, you may still have consequences for some of the behavior that you did, but God will always love you and give you a new day, even if there's still consequences. So, sorry God, I stole that new Porsche. Um, God says to me, I forgive you, I love you, and I'll be with you as you go to jail. You know, and then I, So he's not going to take the consequence away if you've made some poor decisions this last year, if you've, if you've done some things that you shouldn't have done, the consequences still may come, but God's love will also be there. God's compassion will be there for you. It's new every morning, despite any of your mistakes. You don't have to get to a like, oh, I'm spiritually good, now God cares about me, or, or I've got my life lined up, or everything's going fine, so, so now I can rest in God's compassion and love. God says, I'm going to give you my compassion and love right now. You still may have consequences for some of your sin, but, but my love and compassion is available for you so that you might declare, great is your faithfulness. God is with us each new day. And because of that, we can step confidently into this next biblical truth found in 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not what's seen, but on what's unseen. Since what is seen is just temporary, 
But what's unseen is eternal. So I love how this verse starts. It says, don't lose heart. Oh, man. It is so easy to look at my own mistakes in life. It is so easy to look at all the places that I've messed up and, and all the times I've fallen short and all the times I knew what God wanted and I wasn't able to do it and I knew what I should do and I didn't do it and, and, and sometimes I knew what I shouldn't do and I did do those things. And it's so easy to lose heart and just say like, oh, I'm just such a mess up. Oh, this is no good. God doesn't want me, blah, 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 whatever sort of narrative you run in your own mind. But the scripture says, don't lose heart. It's easy to look at our mistakes and lament and be discouraged, but don't. Some of the trouble isn't even my fault. And so don't get discouraged by those things also. Some Death in life is not my fault, unless I killed them, but I didn't kill anyone. But, but death in life isn't my fault, and yet it's this burden, and it can weigh on me, and it can cause me to lose heart. And the Bible says, don't lose heart. Though outwardly, even stuff's wasting away. It's falling apart all around you. Maybe that's true. But inwardly, something different is happening. And it says, you you got these light and momentary troubles. There's an eternal glory waiting for you. And and I don't know about you, I'll look at that scripture and like, some of the things I'm facing don't feel light and momentary. I don't know about you, but but I feel like I got some real issues going on sometimes. Some, they're not light and momentary. They're, they're huge and heavy and, 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 and overwhelming. How could I not lose heart? Well, the only way I can not lose heart is if I could take an eternal perspective. If, if I could just take a step back and look at the world like God looks at it. Our issues don't always feel light and momentary. But if we step back and consider the eternal, we get a bit of perspective. It's like this. Heaven is waiting. Perfection is on the horizon. Eternity of glorifying God and, and, and dwelling with him, that's soon. So we say that at church, right? Yeah, you're going to be with God. Everything's going to be great. You're going to be heaven, no tears, no crying. Yes. But, but somehow it doesn't hit in our reality. So, so imagine it like this. What if, what if you knew absolutely next week, one week from now, on Monday, you are going to win the lottery for $500 million. It's a half a billion one. You're going to win that lottery. And you absolutely knew you're guaranteed to win it. You are going to get $500 million in a week and a day because the lottery doesn't draw on Sunday, you know. So that's why it's Monday. So if I knew I was going to win the lottery, or if you knew you were going to win the lottery, and you go outside and your car doesn't start, don't care, <laughs> whatever, right? I'm going to buy a new car next Monday, Right? I don't care if my car doesn't start. I'm an Uber. I'm going to get the deluxe Uber, the like, you know, luxury Uber. I don't know. I'm going to have them pick me up in a Cadillac. I don't know. You get home. Your dishwasher broke while you're at church. It's been flooding the house. I'm getting $500 million next Monday. You know what? I, I, my dishwasher broke. I see a river in my house. Don't care. Getting a new house. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to kick that water around. I'm going to do one like the dances in my house. I'm going to stomp around in that water. I'm going to have fun. I have an indoor pool. Fine. For that. What do I care? I don't care. Why? Because I'm not going to live in the house that I live in. If I won $500 million, I'm moving to a, a bigger house, a better house, like whatever, right? I don't really care. You lost your job? Yes. <laughs> you know, like I was talking to Brian Cho the other day. He said, if you lost your job, how sad would you be if you won? He would be like, no, nope, I'm good. I said, if you won the lottery, would you go to work tomorrow? Brando said, nope. <laughs> so don't fire him if anyone has a job work. He loves your company. 
But you, I wouldn't quit my job. I love my job. So you know, even if I didn't didn't get paid any money, I'd, I'd still come back here. But but if you lost your job, it wouldn't be that big of a worry if you knew you were getting five hundred million. So here's the idea: financially, you wouldn't care because an abundance is coming. Hold that. Financially, you wouldn't care if you're going to get the. You just wouldn't care about the financial thing. The, the other relational stuff that would matter, but financially, you wouldn't care because an abundance is coming. In life, though, we can smile at our circumstances because an abundance is coming. See, if that's true, if heaven is a reality and God is good and his mercy is due every morning and he has a place prepared for us and I'm getting this abundance, then it makes my current troubles light and momentary. If I can get an eternal perspective, it changes everything. It changes how I navigate my issues you know, like my broken dishwasher, I don't get mad if I'm going to be rich. I don't care. Kick up the water. Something happens in my life, lose my job, have difficulty, a relationship problem. Man, that's tough. I love them. Let me pray for them, but I'm going to move forward because I know an abundance is coming. The burdens become light and lose their harmful power in view of the abundance that's awaiting us. Yes, there's troubles, mistakes, and messes. And the remedy, though, is to fix our eyes not on the things of this world, but on the eternal things to hold on to the abundance, the joy, the, the everything that's coming. If I, if I get that, and that's a reality, and I know that's a guarantee, just like the lotto was going to be, if I can guarantee that I have this great thing waiting for me, then what are life's troubles? They shrink down. When I look from an eternal perspective, they get into the place they belong. They're difficult, they're tough, but they're light and momentary compared to the abundance that's awaiting. So let's live this next year with eyes on the eternal. Like Paul writes to his, his friends in Philippi, he writes them this about that same idea in Philippians chapter 3. He says, what I want to do, he says, I want to know, know Christ. And yeah, I want to know him and I want to know the power of his resurrection. And I want to even participate in that suffering. And I want to become like him in his death and, and so to somehow attained the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at the goal, but I I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing that I do, I forget what's behind and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Our new day brings new hope and movement forward. There's so much for each of us, each of you, just like there was for Paul. We can have the same optimism about tomorrow if we have the mentality of Paul. Now, Paul wasn't living a great life. He's getting beat up. He's getting imprisoned. He's getting persecuted. He's getting spit on and punched in the faith and, 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 and getting shipwrecked. And all sorts of crazy stuff happens in his life that's not that great. And he says, oh, I can't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow I'm going to run this race that God has marked out for me. I'm going to fix my eyes on the things ahead, not on the things that are behind Forget the past, what's behind, and I'm going to press on towards God's goals for me. So tonight a new year begins. So let's step in tomorrow's new day full-heartedly with God. In your new day, let go of your past mistakes. Let go of the past failures, your past goals, 
and run towards God's goal. And I want to tell you, I want you to even let go of your past successes. Maybe this year, this last year, like you've been on fire for God. You've been doing great. This has been a fantastic year. Your marriage is going great. You got a promotion at work. But you know what? Sometimes if we, we look back at that, oh yeah, I did great last year. And so we rely on that and it can trip up our this year. Forget what's behind. Great, last year was awesome. What's this year going to be? Look forward to the things that God has for you. What are his goals for you? Have, you? have you bothered to pray yet? God, what do you want from me this year? God, where do you want to go together, you and I, this year? How can I step out in faith, God? How are you going to move? What miracles are you going to do in my life, God? How can we walk together? Pray in those prayers. Don't worry about last year's successes. Don't worry about last year's failures. You gotta let them go. You gotta let the past be past, otherwise they trip you up. Successes and failures. Don't let the enemy throw those mistakes. Oh yeah, but look at what a jerk you were to your own wife last year. Oh, look at how mean you were to the kids, or or you weren't even present enough to be mean. Don't let the enemy throw that even mistakes in your face. Don't let the enemy trip you up with some of the bad that you've done because. God says, today's a new day. There's a reset available. My, nurse, my mercy, my goodness, my love towards you is available right now. Let's step into a new day together. Don't let your failures mess up tomorrow. Don't let your successes mess up what God wants for you this new year. Today's a new day. Tomorrow's a new start. Let's decide to pursue God together, to press on to win the prize that God has called us. And the nice part about this is, like, you, to win this prize, you don't have to beat someone else. You don't have to be better than somebody else. God has marked out a race for each of you to run this year. There's a path that God wants you to go on, and if you'll ask him about it, he'll show you to that path. And when you're on that path, you can win that race. And God calls you to, to run it in such a way that you'll win. Man, run so well. Have him in mind so much. Pray so hard. Bless others so much that, that I can win the race that God calls for each of us. Each day is a new day, each moment's a new moment. Tomorrow's a new year. What mindset are we going to go into next year? And so I want to stand together and triumph right now, actually. If you would join me in standing, and I'm going to ask you to pray uh, three things right now. Would you pray with me to release your mistakes, to ask God's forgiveness right now, and to step into a new day? Just you made mistakes. I know. You got some sins. Some of them were, they're habitual. Some of them have been 40 years since, same sins. Would you just release them with me right now? Would you ask God in prayer to release your mistakes? Ask for his forgiveness. Step into a new day. And then would you pray with me to let life's disappointments go? Maybe you've had a hard few months too. Let them fall into the past as you turn to God's future for you, a fresh new day. Pray with me to fix your eyes on Jesus and run this next year in such a way to win the prize that God has called for you. Today is a new day.